BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the What We Said podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. It's the weekend, and we're here with a very special guest. And we're just going to hop right in and introduce him. Actually, you're going to introduce yourself. It's Andy. It's, it's, it's Andy. It's, uh, I'm JC's dad. Usually we don't make guests introduce themselves, but I feel this is only appropriate since. Yeah. And I feel, I, I feel almost like I'm a little bit Chelsea's dad too, because she lived at our house for, <laughs> I don't know how many years, but it was a lot of years yeah. that you, you basically lived at our house and ate all our rotten bananas. And... <laughs> the rotten bananas. Yeah. It only took 37 seconds. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, what do you What do you want me to say about myself as far as an intro goes? No, introducing yourself is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I admit. We've been meaning to have you on the podcast for a very long time. Mm. And I'm happy that we're finally doing it. My dad is a life coach. We're going to go into how he also doesn't, excuse me, do not identify with that, with that <laughs> title. It's not my favorite title. Like there's just so many people who call themselves life coaches now. And, and what I do is so far outside of what I normally see in life coaching that it doesn't really resonate with me. But if it's what gets me into a conversation with someone and I can help, then so be it. That's fine. You know, it's like getting called an influencer. I was just about to say the same thing. Sometimes yeah. it's when it's too broad of a term, you're like, that doesn't suffice. Mm -hmm. Or it just loops you in maybe with something that you don't resonate with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't get too caught up in it. Like I said, if somebody comes to me and has something that they want to talk about, like if they're, if they're having a hard time, if they're suffering in some way and I know I can help them, if they refer to me as life coach, I, that's fine. Yeah. 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 And I have actually a specific way that I see life coaching that came to me through one of the experiences I had a few years ago that my gosh, I feel like I'm jumping into this too quick. Is this too quick? <laughs> Let me get into my spiritual awakening first. No, no, you can you can finish. We're gonna we're gonna start with some lighter stuff. Sure, go sure, ahead. sure. Well, and we'll come back to this later. But all anyone ever wants is to feel better, right? That's mm -hmm. all anyone ever wants is to feel better. And when you feel terrible, so I draw a spectrum. And when you feel terrible, you're on the side of the spectrum that is you're feeling the worst. Chelsea, you've seen this for sure. Yeah. I think I've shared it with you before too, maybe, yeah, yeah. Chase. Anyway. I thought you um, said like you felt the worst, Chelsea. I'm like, geez, <laughs> exposing her already. She has had the lowest lows of it I've ever seen. <laughs> so, so yeah. So if you find yourself on the worst side of the spectrum, what do you feel like doing? Nothing. 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 Exactly. And if you find yourself on the other side of the spectrum, which is over towards the best you can possibly feel, what do you feel like doing? Everything. Everything. So Everything good. Yeah. 
So if you can take someone from feeling close to the worst over to feeling close to the best, then guess what fills up for them? Life. So they get coached into living life. They go from wanting to do nothing to wanting to do whatever's in front of them. So in that sense, am I a life coach? Sure. Yeah. yeah that's actually, yeah, you're literally coaching people to be able to live their best life. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Uh-huh. Anyway, so back to us. So, <laughs> no, people did want to know. Well, number one, we were just talking about the episode amongst ourselves and when we were at my house and my mom was saying, oh, yeah, dad always forgets that he met you. Like, he'll be like, oh, I don't uh, remember JC's birth. Oh, wait, I didn't know you <laughs> then. So what What was your first impression of oh my little, gosh. was I five? You were five years old. Stop. And it still feels so I'm jealous sho- that you met. It still feels Jason. so shocking to me that I met you not until you were five because it has never occurred to me. In all honesty, it's never occurred to me that you're not actually in the definition of things my daughter. Like it's just it's bizarre to me. And so when I met you at five years old, I had already been out with with Jilly, your mom. And uh, I think this was a very quick introduction that that happened soon after. And the first thing you did, you came and sat down on the couch beside me and said, are you a dad? So sad. Already started. It, it, <laughs> it was the first word she said, are you a dad? And little did she know that I, what was running through my mind was like, well, I'm about to be your dad in <laughs> Literally May, two months. Two months. So <laughs> not yet, but really soon. Yeah. Wow. How would you describe me as a child? Oh my gosh. You were so adorable. You had this massive mop of hair. And you were so in, <laughs> you were so interested and funny and talented and I, I don't know you were just yeah. What's your favorite story of JC when she's little? Like to tell <laughs> to kind of wrap up like how My you, was, you saw her as a little girl. Well, I've got stories at other ends of the spectrum, but um, <laughs> some of my favorite stories <laughs> are like the, the day you were eating cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. And the milk was bad. Nothing and, worse. And JC had every once in a while complained about food. She was pretty picky. So we had gotten used to her complaining about food and she's sitting at the kitchen table. She's like, this tastes like throw up. Ew. And, and, and me and Jill were both just like, oh, come on. You're always complaining about food. And anyway, so it. she just keeps eating it. And then I go over and taste it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this milk is so bad. Oh, and, like and that's not really, that's not really one of the, one of the best stories, but I, gosh. Okay. So one of my favorite things to watch was you interacting with my mom. And I don't know if you remember this, but you were obsessed with Junie B. Jones when you were young. Mm-hmm. Slay. And JC was really super smart. She was always reading. And she was so good at telling stories. Surprise, surprise. And my mom was just so taken with her. She would tell the most hilarious, the retellings of the Junie B. Jones stories. <laughs> and my mom to this day still talks about it. It's been, what, 22 years now? 23 oh my gosh, years. really? Yeah. That's and funny. Yeah. You were just so interested and so... Oh, and I could jump ahead a number of years to when you were older and we'd be riding around in the car and you'd be doing all of your crazy accents. Please. I don't know. Does anyone on the podcast know how good JC is at accents? I'm what? actually not good I at don't accents. even know that. They've only heard Jasper. I've only heard, I was going to say, oh, was it Jasper? My gosh. So Jasper and Chester are very hilarious and great accents. But JC used to imitate everyone. 
I did love a skit. I did love a, an impression. Yeah. And she was always doing skits and stuff at home and filming herself doing skits. And um, it really tracks, you know, mm-hmm. for, for what we do now. What's your overarching memory? Or I guess, what is your view of Chelsea and I back in the day when we were in high school versus now? I don't think it's changed. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, I thought that would be the case. No, I really don't think it's changed. Like, I sit here looking at you guys on the couch, and it's just the same as looking at you on the couch however many years ago. Like, how long has it I been now? I the computer. Yeah, you oh, sitting at my computer years. recording yourself singing all sorts of songs and doing funny videos and having people over to do videos with you. And, and We my, need to find our, our horror film. Oh, my I have gosh. your horror film. You do? I we, think I we do. We need to post Immediately, it. Immediately, we need that for next Halloween. Yeah, I have your horror film. I did delete, after JC's permission, over a million photos. Oh, yeah, please from do. From my computer. But I still have, I, th- I think I still have a lot of your stuff. Over oh, one million, so, please. Yeah. I know. I do feel like it's the same, honestly. Mm-hmm. Very similar yeah. dynamic. I'm actually shocked that all your old videos of you singing together, playing guitar and singing <laughs> together, haven't gotten as much attention as I thought <laughs> okay. they would. Haven't gone world like, viral. Everybody oh, listening to this them. right now, go go find them no, singing. Please. It's so it's so fantastic. Them. It was so it resurfaced a while ago. <laughs> we can't get into our YouTube account, so it's just there forever. Really? I yeah, I wish we could. Yeah. Unfortunately. If you are looking to style your hair more, okay, which is something that I'm trying to do because I was just telling Chelsea. I feel like a lot of times I just don't do my hair. Like I will do my, you know, I'll get the outfit on, put the makeup on. The hair is not done. The hair is not herring, if you will. And the new Curl Secret by Conair is so great. I've used this multiple times. Pretty much anytime you guys have complimented my hair recently, I've used this curl, like this curl tool. It is so easy to use and it is so fast. It's basically an auto curler. So you literally like put your hair in this little chamber and it just goes and auto curls it for you. And you can choose like what type of curl you want. So I prefer the loosest curl that it offers. You There are like different temperature preferences that you can choose and then also direction, directional preferences. So I do the one where it alternates. So basically it's curling your hair in different ways. I find that that gives my hair more volume. But it basically does all the work for you. It's so, so effortless and easy. And it was really giving Matilda Jerf blowout realness um, when I did it. And I also, I like to like kind of brush it out and I love the way it looks on day two as well. It just looks like a big, like kind of bouncy curls. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. So it has customizable settings, multi-directional action, and tangle-free text. So don't worry that your hair is not going to get all ratted up or anything like that. I know it can be scary when you see automatic and hair in the same sentence. There are three preset curl types. There are five temperature options and three curl directions. So whatever vibe you're looking for with your hair, you can achieve it. The ceramic barrel protects your hair. And again, don't worry about tangles. Their anti-tangle tech keeps hair smooth and protected while curling. So if you want long-lasting curls, shop Curl Secret by Con Air. Again, that is Curl Secret by Con Air, now available at all major retailers. This episode is sponsored by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, whether you're looking for a head-turning handbag or a watch that says it all, 
Or maybe you want some nice new jewelry or some sneakers and streetwear that look really cool for the winter months. eBay is making sure the things you love are authenticated by real experts because we all know there's no feeling quite like real. If you are in your shopping era because, you know, now it's cold, it's fall, winter's coming up, the holidays, you got holiday parties, and you want some really cool vintage accessories, eBay definitely is the place to go. If you want one-of-a-kind designer, they have really beautiful vintage watches on there. I always look at them. Like if you want to get a Rolex, if you're feeling really fancy, or maybe like a Coach one, or whatever brand that you're looking at. You want to know you're getting the real deal, so go straight to eBay. And when you're searching, just look for that blue check mark. It will say authenticity guarantee. That means when you buy it, you can be confident that it's going to be authenticated by real experts through a hands-on detailed inspection. Every stitch, sole, logo, and inch of it, they are making sure it is the real thing. I feel like it's so hard to know when something is actually real. Like if you're on these sites shopping for secondhand or vintage luxury goods, you know, it's it's hard to know if it's not like guaranteed. And if there hasn't been like a thorough check on it done by an actual professional or someone who knows what they're doing and can actually authenticate it for you. I have a Chanel beach bag that I got via eBay through their authenticity guarantee situation. And I love it so, so much. It's so high quality. And any luxury piece that I own, I only own a few and I've bought them all like secondhand or online like this. And it's my favorite way to shop for designer goods. So when you're finally ready to buy that thing you love, you have to make sure you're not going to catch a fake. They're everywhere and it's really tough to tell the difference for yourself. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, it's easy. Again, just look for that blue check mark and you know it is checked by real experts. Whether they're specialized in sneakers, streetwear, watches, jewelry, or handbags, these are real people who really live for this. That way, when it hits your doorstep, not only do you know it's real, but that feeling you get when you put it on is also for real. So ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Well, you, you've truly seen it all. You've seen us in the basement making videos. You've seen us live on stage in New York City. I have. Mm-hmm. You've been there through the ups and the downs. I have. Oh. Yeah. So this is a full circle I've moment. seen you in all your friend groups. I've seen you <laughs> come go on vacation and come home from vacation. I've seen. Yeah. I, yeah. What I've seen really is that you guys have just been incredibly loyal friends. Aww. Like if I could pick two people that I would want to have as an example of how to be friends. It's, I'm going to cry. Oh, that's so sweet. No, seriously, it's you two. And it, it was it was a privilege to to get to see it and be part of it. Only took 10 minutes for tears. Yeah. Dang it. I thought I was going to get There's... the whole thing. Well, let's get into all your guys' <laughs> problems now. <laughs> enough um, about us. Enough about us. I, well, I was going to ask you like what your your favorite thing about Chelsea is. Yay. Yeah, let's talk about me. Because, you know, we've talked about me for a while. Okay. So... That, you, that you've witnessed throughout the years. So, I mean, f- first of all, everyone knows this is Chelsea is about as funny as anyone has ever been. I think you and Jill think I'm funnier than anyone else on this planet. You which are so great. <laughs> funny. And you were at our house a lot of times when JC wasn't there. Like we would come home and you'd be in the kitchen and. <laughs> I think she was there. I probably just always found my way to the yeah, kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was just, you were just always so fun to have around. And. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like, what what do I say beyond feeling like you were so much a part of our family that it didn't, it didn't ever feel odd to see you in the kitchen yeah. or in a bedroom or in the living room or watching TV or whatever. Like, I was going to say, you Chelsea's just always 
been very comfortable, but that's just like an innate quality that I think you have. Yes, oh, in thanks. my family and with me, but I think just in general, she's just such a comfortable person. With, yeah. You know wow, what I mean? thank you guys. Yeah. So it's, nice. it's like easy to be around you and you, yeah, just, I feel like put everyone at ease. Yeah. I didn't know this podcast was going to be about me. This uh, is so nice. Oh, and it's going to be a little bit more about you as we get into this because... It's like we're exposing everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> and also because you you coached with me, so... Yeah, I was going to say. Like, it's hard for me to separate what I share right now. My uh, trauma and... No, 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 not that. But just how open and and honest and how much you wanted to feel different and to and to progress and to... And, and just how open you were with me. Like, I remember I did that Instagram live with Jace. Yeah. And you called me right after. And <laughs> this is going to lead us down an, an, another road probably, but you called me right after and and I was like, hey, and, and you said, I want to, and it didn't occur to me that you were calling for you. Yeah. Like not for one second did it occur to me that you were calling for you. I thought you were calling to say, just heard your Instagram live. It was really good. Got somebody I want you to talk to. And you were like, I want to talk to you. Yeah. And first things first, that was a that was a huge honor. Oh, like when when people in my family, my gosh, now I'm crying. <laughs> we knew it was going to happen because okay. I've had a couple of clients that have been my favorite clients, and they're the people who are closest to me because you don't expect them to be your clients. Yeah, and I knew you so well at the time that I I think it was I think it was a little surprising that you called but but then I got to see you in that setting and it was so cool like it was so beautiful to have you just open up and say all the stuff you said and should I get right into it right now that one of the one of the first things that was so amazing yeah I was gonna say I don't even remember like and maybe this is a testament to how well it worked like I don't even remember how I felt before like we started talking like I know that we had just moved to LA and I'm like trying to remember my life was good. Like, but I think I just, I think what it was is that I had a lot of overthinking and a lot of anxiety and a lot of like, you know, change that was happening and baggage from like the years prior, just with like, honestly, I feel like finding success was like weird for me. Yeah. It, you just had those things, just those things. Yeah, just that. I mean, no big just deal. A few. Well, I, just I mean, like a... before, like when I would think about why I would even, well, also because I was coaching at the time and I, I was doing like health coaching mm -hmm. and I was mm -hmm. like, you yourself oh, were a coach. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, this is great. Like I need, I need this too. So here's a fun story. So I had sent you a happy birthday text and I hadn't heard back from you until the day before your birthday the next year. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> it took a full year to reply. It took it took 364 days for you to reply. And I said, I was like, I have to reply so he sends me another one. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to Jill, I'm like, I, I don't know if Chelsea likes me anymore. Like she didn't respond. And 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 Jill's was like, Oh yeah, you're you're not hearing back from Chelsea. If you don't hear oh, back no. from her immediately, you don't hear back from her at all. Yeah. So when we started talking, I think one of my first questions to you was, Hey Chelsea, are you good at getting back to people? Do you remember your response? No, probably not. Your response was, no, <laughs> I am the absolute worst. I'm the worst person on the planet at getting back to people. I hate when I get messages because I have to, yeah. they overwhelm me. I feel like I have to respond. My family has told me since I was a little kid that I'm terrible at responding. Like, this is just, 
It's just who I am. I'm just terrible at getting back to people. And so that was the first thing that we worked on. And do you remember what we did? Yeah, I remember I would take like 15 minutes every morning. and 15 minutes. And yeah. I didn't want it to overwhelm you. And I said, I said, when do you get up? And you're like, this time, okay. I don't want this to add any extra pressure, stress to you. But when you get up, I want you to dedicate 15 minutes to responding to people without judgment. I don't want you to judge yourself as to whether you're good at it or not good at it. I just want you to do it for 15 minutes and send me a text that says, A, I did it, and B, how you felt. And every day you would send me a text. This is unlocking memories now. Yeah. You would send me a text. I did it. And I feel amazing. I feel powerful. I feel great. I want to do more of this. And originally the point was to do it for a week. And we did that. I think I have six months of texts from you every day. Yeah. From, from you getting back to people. And after one week, you came back and and in our next call, I said, Chelsea, are you good at getting back to people? And you said, heck yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. One week. Yeah. And I talked to you about how much that was creating yeah, stress and anxiety crazy. and all this stuff in your life. And you're like, it's been, it's been awful. And in one week, you undid that belief about yourself. Yeah. And then all this other stuff started to happen. And then we talked about the other stuff that was way deeper and and. And and you would be sending me texts all the time of how you were feeling. And it was it was just awesome. Yeah. You should tell that story that I remember you told me about. It's kind of similar. And I feel like it's a good theme to kind of remember throughout that. At least I remember throughout my life now since, what, it's been like three or four years. Mm -hmm. Is like how big of a barrier something feels or mm -hmm. like an obstacle. And mm -hmm. then it's like that when it's like it actually just takes a week of doing it and you're like, wait, that was all that was holding me back. That was making me literally depressed, like, and so overwhelmed. But that story that you were saying, talking to like that lady who was like, couldn't get out of bed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there was this person that, um, absolutely could not get out of bed and she'd called me and said, I, I, I can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm not doing well in life. And it just occurred to me to say, Hey, okay, great. I'll talk to you after you take a shower. No, you're not hearing me. I can't get out of bed. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you after you take a shower. It just occurred to me. So I was listening to it. And finally, after five minutes of arguing, she's like, fine. Calls me back five minutes later. And I'm like, what's up? And she's like, I'm ready to talk. Did you have a shower? Yeah. Well, you couldn't have. That's not possible. What do you mean? Five minutes ago, I talked to you and you were absolutely positive that it was impossible for you to get out of bed. So you couldn't have. Did you shower in bed? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. So, and then it clicked and she was like, oh, I get it. And this is the way we believe the things we think about ourselves now. And in any given moment, we believe them so fully for sure. They're true. They're not. And yeah. So, so that story is impactful. And I've got, I've literally got hundreds of those with everyone I've worked with because everyone I worked with has those stories those and you moments, had, you had yeah. more of them. Yeah. And I feel like it would, <laughs> it would be like, Sometimes frustrating when I would have this, a new problem would arise and mm -hmm. it would be the same thing. I'm like, well, I just, you know, I can't even remember. I'm trying to think. I remember one time it was like before interviews or something like that or like getting podcast nervous interviews? or something. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe not getting no, nervous. No, no. It but was like, podcast. Yeah. You were nervous about podcasts. Yeah. Interviews. Like interviewing uh -huh. other people or being yeah. on another podcast. Like, oh, just coming up with things or like yeah. making sure we have the right questions and like being 
overwhelmed about it. And yeah. then just a change of a mindset, it like fixes so much faster than you think it would. Yeah. Whereas like, I remember we did a interview the next day and I had taken your advice of like, basically just whatever is occurring to you in the moment. If you're actually listening to the person mm-hmm. and you're not trying to think about how you're being perceived, it's like, right. just think about them. Like listen to what they're actually saying and you'll have a great response better yeah. than if you have prepared for hours before. Like yeah. what's well, the best questions. question? Yeah, and I remember the same thing. Like one, after one interview, I'm like, oh, <laughs> so much easier. Yeah. Like, and I did so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have seen that change in you. Mm-hmm. Now that you're mentioning that, <laughs> I have unfortunately not had the change yet. So <laughs> I need the coaching. But no, I feel like I really have seen you like become so, I guess I keep using the word comfortable, but comfortable. Yeah. And even throughout doing podcasting and social media and stuff because obviously this wasn't a part of your life before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I feel like it helps so much in whatever area that you work in to like get rid of judgment in general. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. what you talk about a lot is like just getting, not judging things. Yeah. And when you see what judgment is and where it comes from, when you see it clearly and, and, and I, <laughs> okay, so we, we have a really limited time today, right? So it takes a while to get into the understanding that brings you to the point where you see judgment for what it is. It, it's not something that happens immediately. As a matter of fact, when I work with people, I have learned through the last five years of doing this, five and a half years, however long it's been, that four months is the minimum time that I want to work with someone. Because what happens is you're learning to speak a new language. And it's a language yeah. that emanates from a different place. So what I, what I help people notice and and without getting too woo woo spiritual California, that's we love woo woo spiritual. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then let's be let's yeah. be really woo woo spiritual California. There there are some things that are true, and the great knowing is the the simplest truth that you can know, and it's knowing the difference between who you are and who you think you are. Yeah, yeah. So if you can feel the difference between who you are. Like the thing that's sitting inside you everywhere you go and who you think you are, which is this identity that you've built up over the course of your existence here on this planet, then you are connected to the great knowing that makes all the difference. So everything that I do will refer back to that. And when you experience the difference between who you are and who you think you are, when you shine a light on who you are, like this is what enlightenment is. So have you ever heard of someone named Buddha? Never heard of him. JC <laughs> has him. <laughs> why, why, have, why have you heard of him? I actually don't know, to be quite honest, but because world renowned. Why? <laughs> I haven't I haven't done research on Buddhism, but I think it's one of the most practiced. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mo- I'll make it really modalities simple. Of spirituality. I'll make it really simple. You're exposing our lack of no, no, no. See, cultural knowledge. No, no. See, you're going to a place that most people go, which is trying to intellectually figure out something. Here's why we know the name Buddha. Because he knew who he was. That's it. If he had never had that experience sitting under the tree where he came to know, where his mind went silent and he experienced who he is underneath of all of his thinking you'd never have heard the name. And there's lots of people who've lived on the planet and you know their names because they knew who they were, like spiritual leaders. There's lots of spiritual leaders and they all say the same thing. There's no difference. 
between what they say. They all say, you are this. And they use a lot of words to describe it. They're like, you are love, you are understanding, you are. Well, I've, I've kind of broken that down into 23 different words. And I did that for fun because we got a spiritual DNA that I think coincides with our physical DNA. And our physical DNA has 23 pairs of chromosomes. And the reason we look the way we look is because of our DNA, primarily. And the reason we look the way we look is also when that DNA kicked into action and created our physical form. So when I speak to young groups of young people, groups of young people will often look up and they'll see this old dude, right? I'm 53 years old. I'm not an Adonis, so they know I'm not there talking about fitness. I'm not, you know, I'm not wildly successful, so they know I'm not there talking about money. So immediately there can be a disconnect between young people looking up and seeing me and saying, what on earth would this old dude have to say that would be of any value to me? But here's the deal with that. I know they're thinking it because that's what our brains are programmed to do. They're programmed to take in our surroundings and judge them. And how we're being perceived. Yeah. It's it's just a natural thing to happen from this thing that I refer to as identity, which is who we think we are. So I'm speaking with this this big group of uh, alternative high school. And I had been warned ahead of time that they would not pay much attention to what I was saying. And they had a boatload of teachers in there to make sure that they didn't go, you know, off the rails and and disrupt our presentation. And I said, I don't, don't worry about it. And they said, yeah, we'll see. And I'm like, okay. So I stood up and I started talking and I said, hey, I get that all of you are looking up at me right now and I want to draw attention to something. Just, just notice something that's going on for you. Notice that your brain is seeing me and processing everything I'm saying and you're going, I agree with this. I disagree with this. What has this old dude got to say that would be any value to me? Just notice that that's going on. And so they all start nodding their heads. And I said, so as you're noticing it, are you feeling a little different? Yeah. Well, let me tell you the major difference between me and you when I arrived for this experience. That's the major difference. You can tell by looking at me that I showed up for this experience quite a few years before you did. But guess what? There's been 112 billion people live on this planet. Only 8 billion of us are still here. So 104 billion have arrived. That's some quick math. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about Andy, he's got the quick quick math on him. 104 billion have arrived, spent their time, and gone on into another state. And now we're in the middle of our experience, and I arrived a little earlier than you did. And then they're all kind of engaged. And they stop looking at me for what they see and start seeing me for what might come out of me. And guess what? Guess what we talked about? Huda. The difference between who I am and... Who you think you are. Who I thought I was. Yeah. There's so much, so much there. So much depth that we can go into. I know. I was going to say, like, one of the main things that people were writing in that they overthink about is pretty much social things. Like, interactions Mm -hmm. they've had, how people are perceiving them, if people Mm -hmm. like them, et cetera, et cetera. I remember you were telling a story about how one of your clients was like, I get really jealous of, like, other girls. And you... Yeah, lots of my clients, lots of my clients have that one in the beginning. What did you say to them? Okay, well, (laughs) first of all, I can tell it. Well, well, let me ask you, what's jealousy? Thinking that someone else has something else that you don't really. Yeah. Now, if you had a sense of who you really are, could that even happen? No. No. 
And this is what started to happen to you, right? You started to have a sense of who you are. And then the, the tendency of your brain to go that way, to try to protect you because your brain, your brain is, is serving mostly one function. And that is to try to protect you from danger. Yeah. I couldn't, even if I tried, it's like, I would say something to you like, well, I'm just like not good at confrontation. And you like, I wouldn't even realize I'm saying something like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm just not this or like, I'm this way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get away with that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you can't get away with it because the, the most common lie that is told on a daily basis starts with the words I am. Yeah. Because everything that people believe about themselves for the most part is wrong. There's a made up thing that occurred at some point. It's completely made up. I'm tired. I I get why you think that, but this thing inside you is energy. Yeah. And we all have had experiences where we thought we were tired and then people came into the room and we got lighthearted and then we weren't tired anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you actually tired? Yeah. I was just reading something about that, about how it's like, basically you could be like, I have, I have no energy. If something bad happened in your life, it's like, I have no energy. But then if something good happens Mm -hmm. immediately, you have energy and it's like, just based upon your external circumstance, it really, it isn't an actual. No. Yeah. It's always available (laughs) for you to tap into. Mm -hmm. No, there is no exhaustion like mental exhaustion. Mm -hmm. You can run a marathon and be tired I don't know why you would run a marathon, but some people do. Well, so, well, it's too soon. It's too was, soon to talk about that. Are you going to do that? She was no, training, was training for a half. Okay, half marathon I get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because marathon, marathon didn't die from running a half marathon. He died from running yeah. a whole marathon, which, yeah. which is why I'm, I don't want to do it. But, but you can run a marathon and be really tired, but still feel mentally alive. Mm-hmm. But if you feel mentally not alive... You're not doing anything. No, it's so draining. You're exhausted. I wanted to talk about something that I feel like a lot of people will write into us about or whatever. And it's like kind of the conversation of boundaries <laughs> and specific with parents, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, just trying to set a quote unquote boundary with their parents or their parents don't respect where they are. And the reason I'm also bringing this up is because a ton of people did write in asking how you feel about me distancing myself from the church or from religion. And I feel so lucky that I don't have that experience that a lot of people I think do have where Mm -hmm. it's like such, it's such a hardship Mm -hmm. and it's such a thing, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, in their, in their relationship with their family or whoever it is. I'm just curious your thoughts on like, I don't know. I guess that was a million questions in one. Well, but. so first of all, I agree with you. So the stance that you've taken as far as distancing yourself, although I don't refer to it as distancing myself, it's just kind of a natural progression of life for me. Mm-hmm. That when you see something differently, then your life looks different relative to that thing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see it as you distancing yourself from an it. I see you as... Progressing in life. As and progressing doing in life and, and doing something different. And, and people, people are so wildly off base about the importance of individual things. Like we get so caught up in things being so incredibly important. And first of all, parents aren't concerned for you when you're doing something that they wish you weren't doing. They're concerned for themselves because their identity as parents doesn't fit well when their children aren't doing what they want them to do. And so we've got... I also, sorry, off that, I also feel like it's 
kind of the same in a way it's fear of losing you so it's like which is also a little bit still selfish it's like wanting to pick a flower because it's so beautiful and like take it home and put it in a vase versus like appreciating the flower for what it is and like letting it go you know Mm -hmm. Love her, but leave her wild. <laughs> the fact that that quote somehow, somehow weaves its way into multiple episodes a year. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's it's like, it is kind of going goes along with what you're saying. Well, yeah. And like, I'm just crazy proud of you. I, yes. I, I can't think of a thing that you would do because I know who you are and I know that you listen to who you are. And so your life is guided by an inner compass an inner wisdom that has you making great decisions. I'll go back to two of my favorite moments with you. Actually, I'm only going to talk about one of them right now. So I can talk about this, right? I, I don't know what it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but sure. So we had no trouble with teenagers. Like people talk about the, the horror of teenagers. and Oh, their teenagers is going to be rough for a while. We did not have that. We had one or two incidents per kid that we would have a conversation around, but that was it. And do you know the one that I'm bringing up right now? Like I woke up in the middle of the night and you weren't home. Yeah, yeah. Can we, oh. we, can, can we talk about this? Vaguely, yes. Okay. So I'm not going to talk too much detail about it, but... Was she at my house? No, she was not at your house. <laughs> if she'd have been at your house, no big deal. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I called her. She came home. She was like, I don't want to talk right now. And I said, well, you know, it's fine. We, we don't really want to talk either. I want to ask you one question. How do you feel? And is this the way you want to feel going forward? Or do you want to feel different? And she made a decision in that moment that she was done with that. That's how long it took. It took 10 seconds. And that was it. There was no conflict. There was no confrontation. There was no trouble. Like kids grow up in this constant fear of trouble. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly not necessary because kids are walking around with the same thing inside them that all of us grownups are walking around with too. And that thing knows what to do. And it will never have you making decisions that are harmful to your physical experience either yours or someone else's. So if you learn to listen to that voice within, then you're on track to have a great life, to have a beautiful life. I, I've got to tell another one right now. So you were an incredible dancer and we went to so many of your so fun dance competitions where everyone's screaming everyone's name from the back of the room. And I thought that was so funny. <laughs> you go girl. Go, go. <laughs> anyway, and you were on the path to becoming a professional dancer. Like you were going to go into the world. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not, but you Like could, I wanted to continue doing but it. But you yeah. could have. And we, yeah. were, we were at a point where it was the next step in commitment. And it was going to be a major, major commitment. And we were in the kitchen where so many of our conversations went down. And I said, I said, JC, what is a professional dancer's life like? Like, who are your friends? Do you remember this? Yeah, briefly. Who were who your friends be? What would your life be like? Why don't you take a couple of days? Because if you want to go down this road, we will support you. But why don't you get clear on whether or not it's what you want to do? So she goes downstairs. I'm not kidding you. What was it? Five minutes later? (laughs) Five minutes later, she came upstairs. She's like, I'm done with dance. And that was it. And that is someone who listens to what is inside them. 
And look what it leads to. Yeah, I was going to say, JC is one of the most decisive people I've ever met. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And I don't know if she was always super decisive, but as she got better at listening to it, she would, she did get, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of doubt with you. When you want to do something, you just do it. Another one of my favorite stories of you is, is helping you make a collage of pictures on the wall in the, the guest room. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. You were putting like album covers and up and doing something creative and no one was home that day. So I was the one that helped you with it. Mm. it was It was so much fun. And I got to watch her in a creative process. Oh, and it was like for a photo shoot? Yeah, it was for, for a photo shoot. Mm. Because even though I don't think photography was generating anything for you at the time, you were obsessed with it. And you never stopped. And I think on that like right around then you'd gotten up for like a 4 a.m. shoot out at the lake that was probably with Chelsea putting 45 minutes away, 45 minutes away. And you would rope all these, yeah, you would rope all these people into going with you to create this thing that you wanted to create. And that's another thing that we are like one of the characteristics of the spiritual truth of who we are is we are creation. And what does creation do? It brings into being that which wasn't. That's what it does. I am that. You are that. Everyone listening is that. And it isn't just being a creative, like being a photographer, or a singer, or a performer, or a, paint, a painter, whatever. No, like right now, we are creating this conversation. So I have a question for people listening. Like, because even when I was super sick in my first trimester, mm-hmm. like, I I got to a low point because I was like sick in bed all day. So I and we were wor- we were working together then. No, no, no. Oh, no. This, this, this oh, okay. I'm talking yeah. the first one. Oh yeah. yeah. That it was just a re it was just a rerun mm-hmm. of that. Okay. And when you're like sick, laying in bed, physically can't do the things that you want to do, like you have a lot of time to think, mm-hmm. aka overthink. Sure. And I feel like if other people are feeling like this where it's like they're in the fog that you Mm -hmm. talk about where it's like they can't quite feel, they can't quite tap into or they feel like they can't tap into that creation, that energy, that, you know, motivation that is in them. Mm -hmm. What are ways that they, like what is the way to do that? So everyone wants the way or a how-to. And the cool thing is, is that there are at least 23. And the 23 coincide with the words that are used to describe the characteristics of the spiritual truth of who you are. So the first thing that that you need in that sort of a setting is an understanding of the difference between who you are and who you think you are. Because if you don't have that understanding, then you don't have access to the tools. And, And the tools are every single characteristic of the spiritual truth of who you are has an expression in the outside world. Like creation, its expression in the outside world is bringing into being that which wasn't creating. The expression of love in the outside world is loving. The expression of gratitude in the outside world is thank you. The expression of awareness in the outside world is being aware, noticing. The expression of forgiveness in the outside world is forgiving. So anytime you utilize the expression of one of these characteristics in the outside world, it creates a connection between identity and the spiritual truth of who you are. It opens up a conduit and and a little gap in your thinking opens up and then you feel this feeling rise up. 
And then you don't feel the way you did before, even when you're sick. So you can't, you can't be having experience in this world without thinking it. If you're not He's like, fit- you made up your sickness. <laughs> get out of bed and no. get going. Get up. <laughs> well, no, there you- is truth to it where it's like, when, that, that's what I mean when you're in the fog. Like when I get to that point where it's like, I've, you know, oh, I'll just like take a couple of days on the couch because mm-hmm. I'm feeling super sick. And then sure. after a while, it's like, why would I ever get up again? Why do I want to get up? And I, I have no will to get and up and is, do anything. Yeah. And that is the natural way. So you get stuck in it. Well, yeah. And it's the natural place for the brain to go because the brain wants to protect you from the great danger, which is feeling bad. Yeah. Right? And so if you're physically feeling bad, then your brain is going to tell you this, 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 and this to do. Now, wisdom, which lives inside you, knows whether or not you should or shouldn't do something. And we can call it intuition. We can call it whatever we want. Intuition, I think of as more of a, an outside way to see what comes from within. So I have this thing that I say the highest and most noble role that your brain can play, the highest and most noble role that your brain can fill is to act as translator for that which rises from within. Mm. Do either of you speak another language? I know. Please. Okay. I know, I know JC doesn't. Do you speak some Spanish? No. Okay. No. So, so I went on a mission to Denmark and I got pretty good at the language. And when you were pretty good at the language over there, you got assignments to be a translator for, you know, visiting dignitaries, church representatives, whatever. So on many occasions, I got to be a translator. Well, here's the thing that you have to do to be good at translation. You've got to be really good at listening. That would be so hard to be a translator. Wow. I just was thinking about that. And you can't be listening when you're talking. And you can't be listening to what rises from within when you're overthinking. So when you just simply drop into awareness and see the thinking for what it is, like let's say you're really sick in your first trimester and you're feeling like you want to throw up or whatever, the more you think about it, the more likely you are to throw up, right? Yeah. Okay. That's that, that's pretty much my entire day is avoiding thinking, <laughs> trying to avoid and distract myself from thinking about Yes. So distracting is one way to go about it. And that's the natural way that the identity goes about it. But there's a, there's a, a way that works better. And that is to have your mind actually go quiet. And your mind can go quiet by engaging any of the characteristics of the inner truth of who you are. So if you find yourself not feeling great and then you decide, "Mm, you know what, who's had a powerful impact on my life? I'd like to thank them. I guarantee you, you will feel less sick. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the days I feel or felt the worst, like I would have the, the sickness level from an outside was probably the same, but the days that I would feel worse was because I was feeling worse mentally because mm-hmm. I was feeling so guilty and so like, oh, I should be getting up and doing it, but I just feel so bad. Like, oh, but I just should get up and do this and I should be able to overcome it. It's like just judgment is making me feel way, way worse, mm-hmm. which is just digging me worse into a hole and not getting me closer. Whereas if, yeah, you're right, just kind of getting into like a, the present moment would have... Yes. What did it help at some moments, but then when I would get trapped, swept back into it. And I love that you brought up that too, because we refer to it often as the present moment. 
as though presence is not being in the past or in the future. There is only the present moment. There's nothing else. The only way you can be in the past or in the future is in your imagination. So you can, you can think your way into the past or the future, but you're not actually there. You're just pretending you're there. And presence isn't an expression of time. It is who you are. So when it's some, like the only thing that is, really. It's what is. So when your mind is silent, that is the ultimate state of presence. How would, how would you, well, I guess you said, I don't know, like a, a physical thing that someone could do to drop into awareness. Like, would you say literally just sitting there and meditating, being still? You can meditate and be still. Sometimes that's a little more difficult for people because they find themselves still focused on self. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just practice, right? It is and it isn't. Like a lot of people who are meditating, they're seeking silence of the mind. And so they're trying to make their mind silent. Your mind will never go silent from trying to make it go silent. It only goes silent when something occurs that allows your thinking to fall away. Mm-hmm. And for example, like what happened to me and the reason I do what I do now is because of what happened to me. I had two experiences in which I experienced pure silence of the mind. And one of them was a brief death experience. I briefly died in 2006 in the hospital, hooked up to all the gadgetry that tells you whether you're alive or not. And I was hooked up to it. And I said to my wife, I don't feel good. And then the next moment I flatlined. And I guess. so terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. And she can tell the story from that perspective better than I can because that's not where I was. And we don't have time to go into where I was now, but I wasn't there. And I found myself in a feeling that was so incredible that when I woke up two minutes later, I tried to make sense of the feeling I had just felt. And so I went back into my brain and found all the things that I had been taught about what happens when you die. And I tried to filter what had happened through that. That's called context. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and tried to figure it out from that. And I'm like, well, I died. I must've been with God. I've heard that God is love. And so I felt the love of God. And that must be what, and, and I felt really good for a while, like for a couple of weeks after that experience, turned out nothing was wrong with me. I got, got better. They had no explanation for what had happened. Fast forward 12 years, I'm sitting in my basement meditating over life. I had found myself in a very, very powerful state of suffering that I didn't know how I was going to get out of. And I'm sitting in the basement contemplating that when all of a sudden my thoughts, they fell off my head like sheets of ice off a melting glacier. It was a visual experience. They slid off my head and fell onto the floor around me. And after a period of time, they were all gone. And I'm sitting in the chair feeling this feeling. And I'm like, I felt this before. This is what I felt 12 years ago when I was briefly dead. Not nearly dead. Near-death experience is the wrong name for it. A near-death experience is when you almost get hit by a car. That's near-death. A brief death experience is when your experience is no longer coming from this thing we call life. That's, that's, that's the one that teaches you something. And then when you have another one later on where your mind goes silent and you feel the same feeling and you go, oh my gosh, what is this? And then the feeling answers and says, I'm you. 
This is who we are. And in that moment, everything changed for me. I didn't seek out doing what I'm doing now. People started calling me after I had that experience. And I would talk to them and they would feel better, which is all anyone wants. I don't even know how we started down that road. How, how did we start down that <laughs> how road? How did we get here? How did we get here? How did we get here? Well, I feel like it's, it's very um, comforting, at least to me, to know that that feeling's always attainable that you're Available. talking about. Yeah, it's like that feeling of the power of knowing who you are. And JC and I have talked about like our individual experiences where it's like I've told you too. It's like when I one time was at the beach like doing yoga with my sister at sunset and I just like had this epiphany what people call yeah. like where she's like, oh my gosh, like I suddenly have no thoughts. I'm just like realizing nothing matters that yeah. I think matters. Mm -hmm. And just like a feeling of relief of like, oh my gosh, I don't have to be so worried uh -uh. about everything. Mm -mm. And also gratitude where it's just like, oh my gosh, my chest is like filling up with so much gratitude. I don't even know where it can go. And me, JC and I have talked about like lots of times when we're like driving in the car, like, and we're listening to music, even just by ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like individually. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to a really cool experience. I think you were talking about like you were going to interview one time and you're mm -hmm. going down the road, like driving down the road and you just like have this feeling of like ecstasy of like, oh my gosh, I'm so, because you become aware. Yeah. Like I'm driving to a really cool experience. This is my life now. This mm -hmm. is like the experience that I get to have and I'm so grateful for it. And then it gives you that feeling of, yeah. and then all of a sudden you start having great ideas. You start yes. being nice to people. This is it, right? So this is the great knowing, is knowing that that feeling isn't coming from outside. It's coming from inside. And your chest isn't filling up Yourself is filling up with what is inside you. The fog is lifted. The fog falls away, which and, and so when I was a little kid, I made up a joke that wasn't funny. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. I, <laughs> I, was, I was three years old and here's the joke. Get ready. Get ready to laugh. <laughs> Why did the man throw his piano away? Because he couldn't play. Because his tape recorder was in the way. Sorry. And I would <laughs> and I would laugh and laugh and slap my hip and and my parents would be like my mom was dying laughing because she thought I was so adorable and my dad was probably that's the dumbest joke ever I can't believe. <laughs> anyway, after I had this epiphany years ago, that joke came into my head and I and I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, everyone wants to know where happiness is." Well, happiness is sitting in your chair, and that's what you feel when you take unhappiness out of the way. You don't go looking for it. It's you. And the only thing that keeps you from feeling it is unhappiness. And unhappiness only exists because of the busyness of mind that gets caught up in all the thinking about how things should be. Mm -hmm. This is the very definition of suffering. It's having an experience different from the one you think you should be having. Slay. It's Me true. and my first trimester. <laughs> That's the other thing is like I would be I'm just talking about that because that's the most recent time where I feel like I've been like, oh, wow, experiencing negative emotions frequently yeah. is thinking I'm so jealous of other girls who have pregnancy and I see them on Instagram and they're like, I've never felt better in my first trimester. And I'm just like, why do I feel like this? This sucks. Like I shouldn't, shouldn't, I'm growing a human being. Shouldn't I feel great? Yeah. And then it makes me feel worse. Well, yeah. And you can hear that question, right? Shouldn't I feel great? Yeah. No. Yeah. There's, there, there's, there's no rule that says you should feel great. Yeah. 
And as soon as you let go of your attachment to that should, it loses its power. And then the, the level of sickness that you're experiencing decreases. It's just the role that your mind plays in your experience of life. Macy's, 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 Macy's. Guess what's coming up, y'all? Thanksgiving, which is one of my very favorite holidays. And Macy's has all the stuff you need if you are going to host a Thanksgiving dinner or any kind of event leading up to Thanksgiving. So I am actually hosting a Friendsgiving this year, which I've never done before. You're following in Jill's footsteps. I really am. Love I'm telling it. you guys, I'm, I've am i been full-blown full in my homemaker era, and it's not stopping anytime soon. So you can get all the kitchen gear you need to tackle everything from roasting the perfect turkey to baking pumpkin pie. Don't get it twisted. I am not roasting my own turkey, but Macy's does have a lot of cute, just like little dishes, festive stuff for events and parties. And don't forget home decor for those ultimate holiday vibes. So they've got candles, leafy patterns, cozy knit throws, and more. This just makes me happy to talk about because I love the cozy vibes of this season so, so much. And you can get what you need in time for Thanksgiving. So you can order with same-day delivery powered by DoorDash, pick up in the store, or you can use curbside pickup. I know there's nothing worse than when you are like, I'm going to make this recipe. And then the day before you're looking at it and it says you need some random tool that you don't have and you've never used before. And you're like, great, I really need this certain spatula or this certain, you know, utensil, whatever it is. So that's why Macy's is here for you in a pinch. So head on over to macy's.com slash holiday hub. It'll be linked in the show notes to get all of your Thanksgiving goods. Go check it out. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. And what a wonderful sponsor Squarespace is. We love it so, so much. And Chelsea and I both have a lot of personal experience using Squarespace for pretty much every business venture or website we've ever wanted to start. So Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place, all on your terms. So whether you have like a physical product, if you're selling merch or clothing items or you run like a little shop and you sell decor or something like that, or if you have a digital item. So if you're selling like digital prints or presets, this is how I sold all my presets back in the day. Hashtag JC Marie presets. I sold them all via Squarespace and it made it so, so easy. Squarespace really does make it easy to have a beautiful website with lots of great interactive assets. So you can upload photos, obviously, and they have a new asset library. So basically you can manage all of your files from one central hub, which is so nice. You don't have to keep going back into your camera roll or your photos or whatever. And they also have, you can host video content on there and organize your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages and sell access to your videos with member areas. They also have just really good features for making your business successful. So keeping track of your traffic, um, maybe doing email campaigns, whatever it is. So if you are looking to start a website, you need to go to www.squarespace.com slash what we said to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is the code what we said at www.squarespace.com slash what we said. Go check it out. Okay, here's some, some questions you guys asked. One of them is how to let things go. 
maybe like a garage or. Yeah. So the way to let things go is to see them for what they are. So the only reason we hang on to things is because we think that they should have been different. And I've got a good story about this. So one client, one client was having a really difficult time with a family member. They'd been out to dinner and they were like, I I can't, I can't be around this person anymore. Like he says things that are just so offensive. And I said, I can understand that. We've talked about who you are, right? We've talked about you being understanding. Just as an experiment right now, I want you to go back kind of in your imagination to dinner last night. Only I want you to see from understanding and tell me what you see. And her face lit up. And then she was like, oh my gosh, he couldn't have said anything else. I said, tell me more. She's like, it's like I just saw a movie of his life. And I can see exactly why he said what he said. And grudges in a moment of understanding disappear because they're, they're not really real. Like we're upset with someone because of something they supposedly did or something, some way that they made us feel. But the thing is, everyone is going through the same thing that we're going through, which is a struggle with identity and people are psychologically innocent. And I know that this one is difficult for, for people to grasp sometime. People are psychologically innocent and they're doing what they think they have to do in any given moment to protect themselves from the great danger, which is feeling bad. And for some people that shows up as horrific things and their identity has gone way off the rails and they're so attached to it that they just do terrible things. And for other people, it's much smaller things. And if you happen to be a person who's Feelings are easily hurt like mine were for the first 48 years of my life. It's because you don't have a a sense of who you really are. I definitely, that like resonates a lot with me because I think there have been certain, when I think about hard relationships or hard people where I'm like, oh, I just don't like to really be around them. But it's kind of like you said, when you have an an understanding or a deep understanding of who you are, it's easier to kind of understand who they are. And you also feel, I I felt this feeling, I remember, with someone particularly who I just don't, I I don't like to be around them. And I remember feeling like this sense of relief that I was like, wait, they have genuinely zero power over me and my emotions Mm -hmm. because I understand why they are the way they are and I know who I am and I kind of just don't care anymore. Mm -mm. It's so, it's like the most freeing moment to be like, I I, I literally don't care what you say around me, Mm -hmm. even if it's the most like offensive, annoying thing because it's fine. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so freeing and you don't have to be around them. Right. Like there's nothing that says you need to be around people. But here's the problem with the language that we use today. We talk about setting boundaries and cutting and people out. Cutting people out. Can you hear the energy that's involved in doing that? When you can just allow people to flow freely in and out of your life. And that's a much easier way to do it. And you do that by choosing to be around people. Yeah. But what if someone's like, no, you don't understand, like this person in my life, like oversteps and is super 
toxic and they they don't listen to me when I say like, okay, I'd prefer you not do that. Yeah. So like, what do you do in that situation? So in that situation, you text Andy coaching, sign up for <laughs> three months. <laughs> well, it's four months minimum. Now, oh, four but, months. Yeah. It's four months minimum. But, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to do something that's a lot different starting now to make this accessible to way more people. Cause one of the questions was, how can I get life coaching when I can't afford it? Cause so many life coaches are really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. I try not to be like, I feel like that's a huge hurdle when people are like, I want to start therapy. I want to start with a coach. I want to start something, but I'm in a such a low place and I have no money. So what do, you know, that's definitely a hurdle, I think. Yeah. So I want to be able to answer these people's questions. So I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do a a group thing where someone signs up for a year and it's going to be just a hundred bucks a month. So it's a hundred bucks a month and I'm going to do two hours every week that you can come to oh, wow. for that hundred bucks a month. Or if you not sign up one-on-one or just like in a group, it's not one-on-one. Saying- it's going to be a group setting. It's going to be limited to some number. I'm not sure what the number will be, but I've led lots of groups where they, you can kind of just talk and certain people can ask questions or whatever. Yes. Or I've, they can maybe be silent. Cause maybe some people don't want to be it. They just want to hear for sure. And, and quite often you can get as much out of being silent and hearing somebody else go through whatever they're going through because when, when something resonates with you, you, you don't hear their story. You hear your story yeah, in their story. for sure. Yeah, and once you become aware when you're listening to something like this, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's making me feel aware of my emotions, then you are now in touch with <laughs> yourself and like the knowing. So then you can then make the best decisions for yourself. Yeah. Like you don't need someone necessarily to tell you exactly what to do. No, you never need somebody to tell you exactly what to do. And I think we talked about that quite a bit. I'm like, I'm not an advice giver. Yeah. I don't ever give anyone advice. I say, why don't you, why don't you see from understanding what you think you ought to do in this situation? And even with the 15 minutes, I'm like, what's a number that works for you? You came up with it. What's, yeah. what's a time that works for you? You came up with it. How would you like to keep this agreement? I want to do this. Great. That's what we'll do. Well, I think that also... Obviously, I can attest to this growing up with you raising me. That is also, I think, how you have parented a lot mm-hmm. is like you have and to speak to that, even what you were saying about, you know, any of my decisions that I've made or how I've made them quickly. It's like because you allow it is the thing and because you ask me and like I've always said that I feel like my parents have like such deep trust in me that mm-hmm. like it, it I don't know what the word is, but just allows me to, I guess, make good decisions. Cause it's like, I, f- I feel that, I don't know. Confidence. Yeah. That confidence that's been like instilled from, I feel like a very young age. And I don't know if that's how I was innately or how you guys have raised me. But I do think that that's something that always comes to my mind whenever people talk about parenting is that like you and mom both, but I would say more you honestly have given that permission to be like, you know, if I'm like, oh, I want to do this. Okay, why do you want to do that? Is this, mm-hmm. do you like how you feel when you do that? And and yeah. I feel like that is just, you're you're really implementing the same thing in your coaching and it, it allows for so much more empowerment yeah. in people's choices and not like, you should do this. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know. Yeah, like when you came and said, I hate college. I don't, I don't want to go. And I said, great, what are you going to do? And you're like, I want to do photography full time. And I said, great, let's go pull you out. And it yeah. was, and you were so, you were like, that's it. 
you don't, you don't care if I'm quitting school? No. It's really like important. I feel like if you have someone making decisions for you all the time, then yeah, you have, when it comes time for you to choose something, you're, you feel debilitated. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm going to mess everything up. Yeah. And the thing is that people's identities above all, and again, like I refer to identity in the way I see it now, which is not the way everyone else sees it. You know, if we work together, it probably gets a little bit closer, but I see identities just as, as people thinking they are a certain way. And this thing called an ego, called an identity, called personal mind, personal thought, the thing it hates more than anything else is being wrong or being stupid. It hates it. And so it will protect itself against that at all costs. So this is why we take things personally. And it's not necessary to take things personally because the inner truth of who we are, the spiritual truth of who we are, not only does it not take things personally, it is incapable of it. Because it doesn't worry about itself. It's, it's not capable of that. It knows it's enough. We are innately enough. And way beyond the enough that our identity is rolling around with. Mm-hmm. Like really enough. Like blow your mind enough. And it takes a while for people to learn to let go of identity to the level that that starts to show up for them on a regular basis and then becomes the place from which they live. And that's why, that's why four months or a year, like do whatever you can commit to yourself and find somebody who knows this. Like there's lots of stuff out there. There's lots of coaching and and advice out there that I would, that I would steer away from. And if it appeals to the identity, don't do that. What do you mean by if it appeals to identity? Okay, so I'm going to bring up a quote here. And you brought this quote up one time when we were working together. Actually, I think I heard you say it on the podcast and then we talked shortly afterwards. It's one that's become pretty popular in the world that says, if, you're, if you know people don't like you, don't worry. I'm a peach and some people don't like peaches. Mm-hmm. This is terrible advice. <laughs> this is, this is ab- absolutely a horrific thing to think. And yeah, here- I would come off from the podcast thinking I was just like spitting thinking facts. Thinking you ate. <laughs> thinking I ate. Well, and, and if, I just leave, if I just leave it at He's that. Like, I, yeah, I heard that quote you said. That's completely wrong. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And, and if I just leave it at that, that's no good. Like mm-hmm. I've got to at least speak to it for one second. Because it isn't that you're a peach and some people don't like peaches. Because you could be running into someone at a period in their life where their level of understanding is very low. And if you make that decision in that moment, I'm a peach and some people don't like peaches, you have cut that person out of your life and missed out on a potential relationship. And the only thing that's really important in this world is relationships. Like judging people so harshly. It's judging people so harshly, including yourself, like defining yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, then it also from that point forward, you always have to protect your your identity as a peach. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> All you do is go around looking for the slightest little slight. Yeah. And going, oh, they just don't like peaches. Have you, what's, what's his name that wrote? Untethered soul and oh uh, James Singer. Singer sounds familiar. Michael Sing- Singer. Michael, Michael Singer. Singer. Michael Singer. Do you like him? He's incredible. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say because he gives an analogy in his book, The Untethered Soul, which I usually when I read self-help books, I remember I told you this too once. It's like once you understand, <laughs> like you start to read and you're like, Well, I already know this. Like this makes sense like, just I a different not way. My, yeah. yeah, I'm not whatever. But I loved Untethered Soul. I feel like that was it's, one that was so good. And and he, his analogies are great. And he was talking about how kind of 
cutting people out that talking to that a little bit and how if you have this identity you're protecting, it's like having a thorn in your arm. And instead of taking the thorn out, you like every time someone bumps into that thorn, you're like, oh gosh, that hurts. I have to build something over the thorn that will like make sure that no one bumps it. And then you realize you can't get through the door because that thing is like too big. So then you build Mm -hmm. your own doors and it's like Mm -hmm. you have this one thing that you're so sensitive about and you have to protect because it's, you think it's your identity. So you have to protect it. Mm -hmm. And then you end up building this entire life, trying to protect something that doesn't actually exist. That is very simple. Is just bringing awareness to the thorn and taking it out. Yeah. And just know that if you've learned to protect one thing, you're protecting a lot of things. Yeah, There's not a, person on this planet that's protecting one thing and not protecting other things because that becomes their go-to move to protect themselves. And when you live in the world of protecting yourself, this is why sometimes it's exhausting to be around people who are constantly working on themselves (laughs) because everything is Mm self-focused and the self it's focused on isn't even who you are. Right. Gary, (laughs) Gary V. (laughs) No, it's so triggering. It's true. Well, I was going to say, I think that this job allows you the opportunity to really practice like the Mm -hmm. whole, like I am not, you know, having an audience or having this, this sort of lifestyle. And it is a very interesting thing to practice. Like, you know, I feel like there've been times in my career, probably earlier on where I've had that mentality of just like, Oh, they just don't get it someone who doesn't like me, kind of that mm-hmm, mentality of like, mm-hmm. I'm a peach. They're not getting it. Yeah. And while I, I don't joke, like this big juicy peach, you know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I think that even though sometimes I'll make jokes, it's like, oh, you just have bad taste. Okay, I get it. Like, yeah. but in my heart of hearts, like the older I get, I have, I feel like I've distanced myself. I try at least from that mentality to just like, genuinely when I'm at a, in a very good mindset, I am so okay with the fact that people, mm. some people do not like me at all. I'm like, that just is, it's not relevant they to my th- life at all. And it's yeah. not even that I'm like, oh, they're just jealous or they don't get it. Like, I don't even think that. I'm just like, I, it's a nothingness to me. It's like, it doesn't matter what anyone like what thinks. what they're judging isn't me. Even. No. Yeah. And what they're judging from isn't them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I get that they think they don't like you. But if they got to sit down with you and be present, and again, presence is not a, a, a time. It's not a statement of time. It's connecting to the truth of who you are. It is a word that we use to describe the feeling of, of connection to the truth of who we are. I'm present. And in, in my mind, we're all soulmates. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that gets in the way of us being soulmates is identity. And we've been raised in different places. Like it's no accident that people think the way they think about anything at any given moment. It's not an accident. So these people who think they don't like you, I get why they think that. Their identity won't allow them to like you based on all the things they're thinking about their own experience. And me knowing that you're coming from where you are, you're coming for the most part, as much as anyone I know, from wisdom and understanding. You don't have a malicious bone in your body. You are compassionate and understanding and loving and kind and all of you, both of you are. And so there are people who, who could be caught up in not liking that. But it's most likely not because of something you did. And it's always a good thing to do to say. It's because they're a loser. That's right. Yeah. We and it's always a good thing to say, though, too, at the same time. Is there any truth? 
yeah. to what's going on. And if there is, then understanding will see it for what it is. You mean if they say something and it's like, oh, is yeah. there truth to that? Yeah. yeah I feel like yeah. I was going to say that's kind of the fun thing about that when you have like awareness of those like thorns or like sensitive things that you mm-hmm. actually do. Because we have those where it's like someone could say something to me and I'm like, I don't care at it, all. It I literally just goes right over me. But then there are certain things people say and it's like I'm reeling over it and I'm like overthinking yeah. it and it's, and it's like sensitive. Mm-hmm. But then when you instead of trying to like think your way through it and like mm-hmm. try and, you know, get to a place where your thoughts suddenly click and feel good, mm-hmm. you realize like, oh wait, this is a thorn. Like, yeah, this is a, a energy block I need to let go of. And that's what the guy, uh, Michael Singer talks about too. Yeah. Like, it's actually becomes a game. Like when uh-huh. something does insult you or offend you, it can become something that's like, that's a sign to you. That feeling that you get mm-hmm. where your ch- like chest tightens and you start to overthink and you start to like boil up. Then that's like a sign to you to become even more aware and to like fall behind your thoughts. Yes. And if you fall into awareness, you then become observant of your thoughts and you fall into the feeling that awareness is, which is what everyone's looking for. They're looking to feel better. That's all anyone is ever looking for. So like I have this podcast called People Who Suffer. It's got a few episodes now, like 30 of them or something. And I go into- Oh, that's more than a few. Yeah. And I go into detail about all of these things on those podcasts. And it's really helpful. Like I think it's really helpful for people to listen to. But the primary purpose of content in my world is to create conversation. That is the primary purpose of content because content in and of itself is very, very rarely transformational. But conversation just is filled with possibility of seeing things a new way. And when you see things from a different place in a new way, then your experience of life becomes transformed. Then trajectory changes and you start going in another direction. Then fear disappears and you start feeling love. Then, you know, all of it, all of that's available in conversation, but it's rarely, rarely found in content, which is probably why I'm so resistant to content in general. And you mean it, just like a graphic on Instagram or something? Like that's not going to shift someone's no, entire perspective? No, it's not. Because you're going to see the graphic and you're going to see that graphic through the filter of your own knowing. And you might even say something like, oh yeah, I know this. And as soon as you say that, you've missed out. You've cut out all opportunity for learning or growth. Yeah. Knowing yeah. is what the identity wants to have because the thing it hates most is not knowing, looking stupid. And so the first, do, do you love when you're in a conversation with someone and they keep saying, oh, I know, I know, I know. No, no, no it's one, the worst thing ever. And I do that sometimes. I I'm, very self- that's I'm trying to be self-aware. I already yeah. knew that. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one loves that. Yeah. Because even if we know the same thing, we don't know it in the same way because our experiences have been so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like an instant block of communication. Yeah. So you stop listening, you shut it down and then you wait to respond yourself. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, tell, tell everyone where they can find you if they want to do coaching with you or just listen to your podcast and everything. So my podcast is called People Who Suffer. You've been very consistent. Yeah. I've been very consistent with that. Has um, an episode with Jilly out. That's a great one. That's about the pantry. Anyway, pantry yeah, model. and and the Slay. and the spiritual pantry. We do, we use that as a metaphor. <laughs> so you can find me on People Who Suffer. It's available on all the platforms. You can find me on andrewmckeecoach.com. You can find me on Instagram, where I have a full fifteen posts in three years. So I've I've posted a lot. I average one post every four months. Nice. But here's the deal: every one of those posts, I think, if if you were to go back and look at them, they're they're meaningful. 
and 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 really the purpose behind those is to to create conversation. So I really just want to help people not suffer because I did for so long and it was rough and I don't now anywhere close to the same degree I used to and life is so much more beautiful and I know it's available to other people because I've I've done this now with so many people. I've got lots of people listening today, I promise you, that have worked with me and I, I think they all would say the same thing. They all would say, wow, I had no idea. I had no idea what was going to occur. I feel like what you were mentioning about the, and well, I was, I was saying before the episode, I was like, you know, I don't want the whole thing to be about life coaching. He's like, I don't want any of it to be about that. <laughs> but I do think, I mean, we talked about, we talked about life a lot and your coaching, but I think that because you genuinely just want to help people, you don't do as much marketing because you're not a gimmicky, like, come and take my yeah. coaching course. You'll find, you know, it's kind of like you're saying, if there's certain people out there who are appealing to your ego, like, here's this quick fix for you. Come join my coaching program, which is hard because I think you have something so special that you're sharing, Yeah, but it's, it's so deep that it's hard to just make an infographic or a little marketing scheme about it. Do you know yeah, what I'm I saying? Don't, I don't market. Yeah. I, I don't market. Like I, my online presence is terrible. 15 Instagram posts is terrible. I don't even know if any, any of my Instagram followers know I have a podcast because I haven't even posted about that. You need a rebrand? You need, I, I, need to rebrand for I probably sure. do need to rebrand, but I don't want to get caught up in branding yeah. because I don't want it to take me off course of what I of Well, what more, I, more I than anything, I just feel like if you believe in something, you should share it a lot. And it's yeah. like you should share your Insta to your Instagram stories every week. Like I put a new podcast up. Here are the mm. key, you know, things we talk about. I'm really proud. Of, I really like it because people only really if you don't talk about something at all, like you have to be your own promoter my own cheerleader you do yeah otherwise it's like why would anyone care that's what i've yeah. realized mm -hmm. just with anything it's like if you don't look even if you care so much but if people don't know that you care mm. why would they care yeah you know we do need to be done because this is a very long episode yeah super long you were right i said we'll shoot for 45 minutes he said oh this is gonna be at least an hour I said, <laughs> he okay. said you're getting rid of me that fast you're not getting rid how, of me how that long has it been an hour, hour and, 20 and 20 minutes oh my gosh is this set in the record is this the longest it might be it might be sorry people that's okay. okay. They love it. <laughs> I honestly could do this for a hundred thousand wow. hours. Really. <laughs> That's why you got your podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. We love you here at the What We Said podcast. Thanks for the the wisdom. Thanks yeah. for all the wisdom. The good feels. And the you good know vibes. I, and you know I love you guys. Like, obviously, Ace. I don't, <laughs> don't want to get all mushy at the end, but. I, no tears. I don't have, I don't, th there aren't words to describe what love is. There just aren't mm -hmm. words. It's a feeling. And yeah, mm -hmm. we love you too. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so, so much for listening. Make sure to go. Wait, what is your Instagram? Doesn't <laughs> even know it. Please. I think, it's, Doesn't a, I think it. it's Andrew McKee coach. Go follow him at Andrew McKee coach for one, for, for two graphics a year. No, I'm going to start posting. I promise. Okay. Even by the time this comes out, I will have put up another post for sure. More importantly, go listen to his podcast. If you, you know, like all this stuff, it's called people who suffer. Go check it out. And make sure you're following us on Instagram as well if you want to be involved in any of the stuff we got going on. It's at What We Said Podcast. We do feed your ego. We will. We on will. Our, on What We Said Podcast Instagram, yeah. we will feed and pet your ego. So yes. For, yeah. for a little balance of both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Follow us both. That's perfect. <laughs> we love you guys so much. And that's, that's what, what we said. said. Bye.
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.